to Dr. Frida in the morning. Hi, welcome to the Dr. Frida Show. Let's talk. Today we have J. Ron Ames. Let me know if I'm pronouncing it wrong. E A M E S. Uh, yes, Eames. Eames, okay. And mm-hmm. very exciting uh, your uh, history and what you've done uh, with uh, the arts, uh, with jazz, uh, JKE Productions, uh, jazz blues vocalist, your TV talk show host, and yes. uh, you are someone who is journalist and author of historical jazz conversations and and this oh, book, I do a lot of things yes yeah and, and, and you know what and I'm not going to continue reading all this stuff because there's so much so I'm going to stop here and I'm just going to ask you a question and then we'll we'll go from there please but uh, your book I received five-star review uh, from the legendary uh, cultural critic Rex Reed do you want to tell yes. us a little bit about your book well, I was so grateful to Rex Reed. Uh, that's my first book entitled. Well, first let me say hello to you, Dr. Birbaum. Dr. Frida Birnbaum. Yes, my pleasure. Birbaum. Thank, yes, it's welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank it's you. A, it's my pleasure. And 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 first let me say that I'm so uh, I'm so grateful for you uh, that you asked me to do this show. I appreciate that. And to say I wish you and your children. Uh, I know that you had you know twins at 60 years old, and I want to wish you and the kids a, a, a deeply a deep blessing. Okay. So much, and the same to you, and that's why yes. I sought you out. I read about you, and I felt that you had so much insight uh, and so much uh, giving uh, towards other people. So uh, well, you thank know, you. I'm so grateful to to that to that beer bomb. I'm so grateful to Rex Reed because he really enjoyed my book. I have a book out called Historical Jazz Conversations, and I have one of the largest jazz archives in the world, actually, on video. And so I've interviewed all these great jazz legends, um, like Nancy Wilson and Oscar Peterson and Joe Williams and Anita O'Day. I mean, just so many, so, so many. And uh, Rex Reed read the book, and he loved the book. And the foreword was written by um, the great writer Nat Hentoff, who's a jazz historian. And so Rex Reed read the book, and he loved it, and he gave me a five-star review. So I'm so happy. I'm so honored for that. And, of course, the legendary um, writer, um, wrote a book forward to the book, Nat Hentoff. So I'm excited. I'm very happy. I just hope that people know about the book because I'm not very good at social media, so I don't know how to really promote it. And But I'm doing the best I can. It's in, it's in God's hands. Well, you're doing a good job now, that's for sure. And we're, we're uh, hearing from you and feeling from you uh, the same time that you connect more than jazz itself. You connect to people and well, uh, yes. you know, and what the music means to them and we don't often hear that. When you are interview uh, these people that you've interviewed, what stays, stands in my mind basically is with all these people, who stands out? Uh, who are some of them that stand out to you? I'm glad you said some of them because I couldn't pick one. <laughs> There's like picking the best child. Uh, it's several, actually. Uh, and, and so many meant so much to me. For instance, I had on my show... Uh, I believe the funniest comic in the world, who's not a, a, a jazz person, but his name is George Carlin. Uh, but his comic is so jazzy, and his style, his whole world is jazzy. So I had him on my show, and that was a real treat. I mean, that was the, you know, the epitome for me. But then so was Nancy Wilson, one of the greatest vocalists in jazz music, you know, in music period. And then it was Oscar Peterson, the, one of the greatest jazz pianists in history, and uh, 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 oh Lord, 
George Avakian, who worked with Louis Armstrong in the 50s, uh, who was a producer, at, I believe, for Columbia Records. And he produced a lot of Louis Armstrong records. And so he was a guest on my show, and he was the one who created the record album. And it's just so many, um, oh, dear, so many. Albert Murray, who founded the Jazz Lincoln Center. Wow. The of Jazz Lincoln so Center. I hear what you're saying. You can't, it's a good thing I didn't I ask you. I can't, it's too many, right? Man. <laughs> That's so it's funny. Too many, it's too many, yeah. But you know, one it's thing they many. all have in common, with the ones, the names that you're mentioning, is that they all have soul. Uh, well, yes. Yes. It's not just the music. And when you're watching, right. like Nancy William, when she used to perform, you just had to see her. You couldn't just listen. Yes. That's, oh, I love you for saying That's that. That's true. It's true, though. You know, she, uh, it's, it's like they, every song, for instance, you know, I was telling someone just recently about watching the O.S. Sullivan show and uh, how you see, you know, Nancy Wilson or Dan Carroll, one of these shows, but they were little, like, like Bennett's. You know, they, they told little stories and they acted out the songs. Uh, it was just, it was magical, and that's just not done today. But see, you mentioned about the the, the soul of these people. Uh, to yesteryear, I put it that way. Yesteryear, people like um, Art Delugo, who owned the most famous clubs in the in the world, called the Village Gate, in the Village. You see, those people, he he worked with Leonard Feather, and I think he was the one who brought Aretha Franklin to America for the first time, uh, to America, uh, to New York, um, for the first time in the sixties. Her first uh, appearance in New York, that was that was due to Art Lugoff. And that was kind of so much. But those people knew the music, and they enjoyed the music. They loved it. And see, that's what we need. Like Norman Grant, who was the, who was, uh, founder of jazz at, uh, at the Philharmonic, who actually just brought Oscar Peterson to have him play for the first time there. But these people knew the music. My point is they knew the music. They loved it. And they wanted to share it with the world. Today, we don't have that. The people today, they don't know who these people are. They don't even know the legacy of the history of jazz. And that's what's so sad. It's like I'm beating my head against a wall. But, you know, we continue. We do We do what we do. Yeah, we are missing that. We're missing the history, uh, the detail and depth of the person, the personality. Well, yes. yes. That is so true. We have to get back to the, the soul of the person. Everything now is so shallow. And so surface. It's we sad. Have to get to, Very sad. To the meat and the potatoes of the of of, of whatever, whatever it is that we're doing. How about we fun? Get How about getting back into fun? How about getting and back? What, uh, fun. Fun is a perfect you know, word, actually. We don't, ha- we <laughs> it's don't a have that. Perfect word. Yes, just fun. Enjoying what you do. Everything seems to be so mean today. Even the dancing and, so and, the, and the rap, you know, when I first heard oh, rap, I said, oh, my God, I better keep away from these people. Well, listen, I, I understand totally. In fact, I had on my show one of the greatest pianists. His name is Ahmed Jamal, um, one of the great jazz pianists. If you know about jazz, he's one of the great jazz pianists. And his, but I guess, were several, but one of his famous songs was Ponciana. Ponciana, da 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 you know, he wrote Ponzi. He didn't write it. He said he wished he did, but he didn't. But, but he recorded it. It had a big hit around the world with that. But my point is this. He said on my show, the Geronim show, he said that there was a time when music was to soothe the savage beast. He said today's music creates the savage beast. Wow. What a statement. And, and you exactly. know, we don't even know this. And, uh, we, ha- we live in a culture that aggression uh, is something that's uh, supported and even well, yes. celebrated. Well, yes. 
Well, yes. I mean, really. We live in a culture where, um, well, actually, I had on my show little Jimmy Scott, one of the greatest vocalists. He said, water seeks its level. And I think we're at a time now in history, because I believe only, only one entity could have shut the entire world down, because everything is shut down. I think it's shut down for a reason. People need to be still and need to listen and, you know, be, become, you know, uh, reflect in, uh, reflect on one's soul. People have to do that, and that's where we are because there's so much hate and violence in the world. There's so much hate and violence. And, it, it, you know, we only, you only die once. You know, so why, these people, why is everybody hating and fighting each other? But that's where we are in society. You know, we have half the people believe one thing, half believe, believe the other. And the funny so, thing know, is, and the funny thing is, I have to say, when we're looking at outer space and we're looking at the Earth, how small it really is, and that well, yeah. we should even have conflict with one another, right. seems silly. It's absurd. And then there's so many people starving to death with all the money in the world. I mean, it just it makes no sense. And people are tired. People are tired. You know, that's why I believe the world was shut down. People need people need to to refocus the energy and be grateful. Because we cannot get new new blessings until we're grateful for the ones we already have. Yeah, we have to get there because uh, we're not in a good place. And we're, we're talking not. about slowing down. Uh, you know, we don't even know what that means anymore. We're uncomfortable. Uh, I remember visiting my father once, and he's sitting alone in the room, and I felt so bad for him. And I said, where's the TV? Where's the radio? Where's the music? Where do you? Where's the book? What are you doing? I felt so bad. And then he said, you know what? I'm just sitting and listening to myself think. <laughs> oh, how adorable. And do to you me, know, that I was so something new. Thing. I do, but I know that, that's absolutely delightful. I did the exact same thing. I just spent a month in New Orleans, Louisiana, my home where I grew up um, in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I, I love your home. And I said, I was all by myself. And I sat in the grass in the backyard. And did absolutely nothing but wiggle my toes, listen to my thoughts. It's wonderful. So, and so your father, please hug him for me and say thank you because that's what we need. People to just be still and, and become introflection, become an introflection of themselves and get to see each other, see themselves and see their neighbors and see people as, as humans and see everybody and love everybody. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, be, I'm not Pollyanna-ish about this, but we, uh, we seem to be at each other's throats. Everybody is on edge. And we complain about things that uh, we have to look at and see what are really the problems are, where the problems really are, and what we've been complaining about, and is it really that important. So we can never be satisfied and contented uh, if we don't go back to our roots and see, listen to songs like this. I mean, you know, God bless the child that God, that's got his own. No, oh, Billy Holiday. What Love a it. message. What Good a message you. that <laughs> is. Yeah. We don't uh, get wonderful. that. Oh, wonderful. Well, well, I think it's a, it's a, mm, well, it, it, everything is so political. But, yeah, but no, you're right. See, the, the industry, well, I started live jazz in my home. It's called Jerron's Parlor Jazz. And, uh, and I have maybe 30, 40 people in my home every Sunday. Well, not now because of the virus. But for the last several years, I had 30, 40 people in my home every Sunday. I made barbecue chicken. I worked with one of the greatest pianists. Her name is Amy Kemp. She wrote Ashley Bubbling. She wrote the song Bubbling Brown Show on Broadway many, many years ago. But my point is, here you get authenticity. 
and I'm a jazz singer, so you get, I mean, you get, you, you get, you get wonderful music and food and, and people, and you don't get that out in the public because the public, particularly jazz clubs, are not booking authenticity. They're booking their friends, and it's a watered-down version of authentic jazz, and which is why a lot of clubs are closing. So my point is, you have to do for yourself. Because if you really, if you, if you, if you're waiting on someone outside to do something for you, uh, like put you in a club or something, the blue note, whatever the clubs are, you know, the days of authenticity is gone. They want just fill the seats. That's all they want. They don't care about, you know. I have, if I'm not talking too much, may I tell this story? No, about, I want to uh, hear this absolutely. This is very interesting. His name, is, his name is George Ween. Now George Ween was a guest on my show. He gave me oh almost a 90 minute interview. I'm so grateful for that. But George Ween founded. Newport Jazz Festival. So all the festivals in the world came out of Newport in 1950. George Wien founded New, uh, uh, Newport Jazz Festival with with the Lorillards. They uh, financed it, which is George Wien's you know idea. And before before Newport Jazz, George Wien um, had a club called Storyville, and everybody played at Storyville: Coltrane and Miles and Ella and Sarah. And, I mean, just everybody, you know. <laughs> um, so he had, you know, he came up, he came up with the, he came up with that, um, with the idea of the Newport Jazz Festival. But my point is, we had a disagreement when he was on my show because he was saying, I, well, my question to him was, you know, why do you have a jazz festival? This was in later on. He be, um, when he be, once he became famous, he had these jazz festivals, and he would have a lot of rock and roll and a lot of rap, whatever he had, you know, people they had doing that. And he was saying, he said, Jerome, we have to fill the seats. And I said, that's the problem. We don't want to just fill seats. We want something of quality, not we. We want quality, not quantity, not um, quantity. You know, so I, I don't care if there's twenty that twenty-five thousand people. I rather have fifty people who really know about jazz and blues and soulful music, as opposed to having fifty thousand who are clueless about what's going on. And so that's where we are, people just want to make money it's all about money it's, it's no longer about i mean it's always been about money but at least at least people were uh given authentic sound and then they're not today in my opinion well the rewards of doing something that's beneficial outweighs anything else because we spend so much oh, yeah. of our time uh doing a job rather than really producing and having pride uh, in what's done. So you're talking about connecting uh, to your soul and connecting to your contributions, and that really fills you up more than anything. Uh, you know, today, uh, with uh, the music and with the messages and with somebody like you uh, who has done this uh when we talk about helping people and that there's this divide unnecessarily, that's the messages uh, we need to hear with performances, old performances that have already been written and new performances, uh, how to bring people together, uh, messages of goodwill and peace, uh, not destruction is and something that we're so, so comfortable with. Um, what is it that you feel is missing right now? What kind of message uh, would you like to give the listeners and the kind of music uh, that you would like to fill up today? Hmm. Great question. Uh, I think what you're talking about is purpose. 
we have to have a purpose. Most people, they don't have a purpose. And then I had to realize that for some people, not having a purpose, that's their purpose. You see, I'm fortunate enough that I knew as a child what my purpose was, was to entertain and to love people and, 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 and you know, be a historian and of sorts and whatnot. Um, but I don't think that people today, most people today, I think they kind of go along to get along. They just do what, what society expects them to do instead of being an individual. I think being an individual is the most important thing we can do. It's very difficult to be oneself. So I think we need to, first of all, we, we need to be ourselves because we only, we're only as good as we have created the society. And I believe that a lot of people today are, hmm, well, they're laxed in, I, I use the word again, authenticity. You know, we're lacking authenticity. I, what I do in my music, I present, because I don't write new music. I do a lot of the old 1930s, 40s, 50s, you know, music. Uh, they're Leonard the best. Lowe and Cole Porter and Bart Oh, Hart they're the best. Duke Ellington, and, you know, yeah. Gershwin and all that. So, you know, I do all that stuff. But my place, I believe, in my soul, Dr. Beerbaum, I yes. believe in my soul, that my purpose is to present old material to a new audience. Ah. Because half the people today have no idea who Gershwin is. There's a somebody I'm longing to see. You know, I mean, just classic material. You have a great voice. Have, thank you. They have no idea who Cole Porter is. They just don't know, wonderful, marvelous, that you should care for me. They just don't know these songs. So my, again, my purpose is to present this old material. You know, you must take the A train. Ellington stuff to young audiences who are clueless, clueless about this. They're missing out. It's so sad because they don't even know that these things, as you said, were even there to begin with. Uh, no, they, they don't, don't have a history of this. No. And that, and that, that's the point. You know, I was I was teaching uh, jazz. They used my my, my jazz just a book at city at uh, what was it called? Uh, Old Westbury University, out of Long Island here in yes. New York. And uh, I was teaching jazz here, so they used my book as part of the curriculum. And so uh, I said, you know, by show of hands, I, I was teaching freshmen in college. So I said, by show of hands, how many know the name Duke Ellington? And not one hand went up. Really? Not one. So I said, Ella Fitzgerald. Not one hand went up. You know, so I said, Louis Armstrong. So they knew of the, of the jaw. They knew of caricature of him, and that's the genius that he was. So, so my, I guess my point is this. You, we, it starts in the home. People have to hear this stuff somewhere, and they don't hear it. They don't, they don't hear it on the radio, on the television. They don't hear it or see it. So it's up to people like me. And, and again, it's like pushing a big rock uphill because no one really cares. You know, they want to hear you know, the little jiggy jiggy and all that other other stuff. Uh, but you know, lyrics, lyrics, melody. It's it's it's, uh, it's it's a dying art form today, and it's, it's sad. But I do what I do. I do what I can. I'm I'm, I'm trying to do a documentary because I, I have all these legends in my book, and the book is just you know just sitting here collecting you know cobwebs because people just don't care today about um, you know it's uh, it's needed and uh, it even helps the brain. They say oh, yeah. uh, that the brain psychologically, if you play music. Uh, it's more flexible to learning uh, languages and information and 
uh, even playing the piano. So it's not just play or fun. Uh, it feeds you in so many ways. Of course, uh, it nourishes it, you. It nourishes you and... Uh, the kind of music today, it's really not something where you can it's really... It's not nourishment, no. You don't know what they're saying. It's vile. It's vile. No, it's derogatory. It's misogynistic. It's racist. It's just, it's just horrible stuff. I don't understand why for so many years that has prevailed as being, you know, black culture. It's not. Because black not culture is, is identified, and this is the sad part, not with people like yourself. Not with well, no, people. I, mean, I, grew up, I grew up in the, in the Jim Crow South. And I, I just mm-hmm. I don't understand that at all. You know, I grew up on Motown. <laughs> you know, with, yeah. with the Rings and Temptations and Miracles and you know, all that. Uh, but yeah, we, it's it's very strange to have my dear. But again, this is all for a purpose. I believe in 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 time it will be revealed. I think this virus has been good on many levels because people had to be still and and shut the world down and be quiet. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. You know, the country, the, the distanceness in the country, half the population feels one way, half sees another you know, idea. Uh, it's very strange times. But all through history we've had strange times, and this too shall pass. Well, we hope that we can continue to have people like yourself in our lives uh, to contribute uh, in this way so we can stand still and take in something that's going to push us forward uh, in a much better way. You know, as you're talking, I was just wondering about your history. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, what uh, put you onto this, on, onto this spiritual path, except for the uh, uh, fact, of course, you have a fantastic voice. That doesn't hurt either. <laughs> that helps. A uh, little bit about your own documentary in life. Well, I I am I am from as I mentioned earlier I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I grew up in 1953, late 50s and 60s. And my father was, was in banking. He was one of the founding members of the first black bank in Baton Rouge in 1950s. So that's how I grew up in a large suburban home. And my parents had parties every weekend. And so I got to hear Ray Charles and Sonny Stitt and Nancy Wilson and Dinah Washington and all that good stuff, you know. Peggy Lee, and you know, just just wonderful stuff. Doris Day. I heard a lot of good music, and so that's how I grew up. That's why I do all the jazz today. But I moved to New York in nineteen um, nineteen seventy two. Actually, I moved to New York, and I um, I was very grateful and blessed. To, well, in Louisiana in the sixties, my 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 sister uh, got a uh, she was employed by Eastern Airlines as a flight attendant in the sixties. And so she had a she had a much she had just she had, she had a brand new Mustang convertible, uh, it's in '69 I guess. And so when she went to New York to become a flight attendant, I was in junior high school, so I got the car. So I had my own convertible, and, and you know, it was just it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, I was a rock and roll fan. I was heavily into Grand Funk and Three Dog Night, and you know all the the great you mm-hmm, know, yeah, Cosby, Nash and Young, all the great sure. uh, rock groups. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And so anyway, I moved to New York at, at 19, and I got a job with, with uh, Ash Japan Airlines myself, right on 5th Avenue, 52nd Street, uh, not far from where I live. And so I um, you know, I worked at the airlines for about uh, four years, and I traveled around the world, and I came back to do my music. And you know, I became an alcoholic, and uh, I, went through, I went through hell, <laughs> actually. Well, let's look at hell. that. Why, why did that happen? What path in your life? Uh, broke your pa- uh, you know the passage that was from a good family 
uh, you had, uh, you know, good, uh, fun, healthy fun, and then you went to something yes. so destructive. Oh, what what happened uh, that to that break in your life? Where did that come from? Well, I needed it. I really did. You know, I was drinking a half a gallon. I just needed it. I was half a gallon about that day. And I was a, a complete mad person, just completely mad. <laughs> and ended up having a, a a breakdown in the streets in here in New York, and they put me in a straitjacket and took me to the really. Oh, did, it was a nightmare. Did you feel not accepted? Is that uh Oh no, I just I I no 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 not at all. I've always been accepted. Then. And I've made myself I've made myself be accepted. So I'm curious, you know, with I, all this I, that I you had, me. talent, a great personality. Wait, 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 because because I, I, I like vodka. So what? So I do like I. It. it doesn't mean I have to get become an alcoholic. But that's the little man in your head, as Susan Hayward said in, ah. in, uh, in a movie. <laughs> okay. I want to live. You know, she said, uh, um, uh, you know, that, 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 that in, in, see, for some people, alcohol, alcoholism, which I, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I've been sober now 35 years. I've been in AA. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. But no, it's very, it's, 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 it's a sickness. It's a sickness. And I couldn't stop. I I had I couldn't drink one drink. I couldn't be. I, I was not a social drinker. I had to have the entire bottle. And when I drank, I became nasty and vicious and mean. And it, it, I wasn't very pleasant, actually. That's really hard. Wasn't. That's hard to believe. Yeah, it really wasn't. But so, but, but after that, you know, in the 80s, I got sober, and then I worked on my music for a long time, and which I'm doing now. Uh, but then they ended up in, in prison in Rikers Island. Wow, uh, really? So what brought you to that point? Uh, life, actually. So you life. were you with a bad influence? Uh, no, uh, no. I, I, well, I live in a, a, a lovely home, um, New York Upper East Side, um, about a five-minute walk from the Metropolitan Museum. And it's a very long story, but anyway, the... the, the I was falsely arrested and put in right oh, for goodness. four months. And I have a new book out now called Tainted, T-A-I-N-T-E-D, Tainted. Four it's about months, a falsely arrested, four yeah. months in prison. Right. What was that like? Complete, what was what was I, that I, I like? Had a complete nervous, I had a complete nervous breakdown. I can imagine. Complete. Wow. An unequivocal breakdown. What was but that I'm like being in prison? And I'm Did still you in my home. When you before you left, did you feel safe there? Were you okay? Oh, not at all. I knew. I knew. I, I, well, I gave it all to God. And once you do that, once you truly surrender, and I had to in prison, although I had surrendered before I came out of my mother's canal, you know, many, 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 many moons ago. <laughs> but to go, but to update it, I surrendered in Prince Rikers Island, and that's how I walked out ten feet tall. Wow. See, this is a see these kind of stories that you're talking about right now are extremely important because how you can go from good to broken down to wonderful, uh, that in itself, a lot of people, uh, when they get to a place uh, that there there's gloom and doom, they stop. They yeah. don't fight. Uh, they don't right. push forward because it's yeah. too uncomfortable. Well, but you yeah. have to be uncomfortable, I guess, to to keep pushing. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I'll I'll, I'll tell you a, a short a, a short story. I didn't uh, want people to um, to correspond with me when I was in Rikers Island. 
Uh, but one young lady, a dear friend of mine, I call, I call her Burke. She lives in Ohio now. Um, we, we, we worked together here in New York uh, 40 years ago. But anyway, she wrote me a post. Uh, a, 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 um, she wrote me a card, and I never forget it. She doesn't even remember, but I never forget it because I saved it. I still have it. Actually, it's in my archives. But she wrote me a, a, a card, and on the cover of the card was a, a, a green forest, and on several of the trees that were you know, green and full of, 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 of you know, foliage, and they were just wonderful, wonderful stern trees in, in the forest. But one tree was barren and bent over and, and, and no leaves on it, and, but it was still standing. And the caption was, you are like this tree. You are still standing because you have deep roots. I mean, just I'm um, so uh, touched by that. You're still standing no matter what happened to you. Because you have deep roots. Like, yeah. like that tree goes all the way down into the earth. No, that you could call me so whatever much. you want. I respond <laughs> as long as you don't call me something really horrible. <laughs> oh, I never which, do that. Well, but, you know, you're doing I'm nice. not into the, I get I get so upset with with the council culture today because see, I'm a southerner, and I call women sweetheart and sugar and darling and so honey. So nice. You know, this is how I do. I can't. I touch people when I talk. You know, that's I'm a southerner. I'm a, you know, I grew up in the fifties. That's what I do. But today you can't do that because you don't know what's what and who's who. So it's it's sad. But you, yeah, I, you know, I'm one of the ones. I don't even take elevators now with women. That's so you know, sad. I, That's I, crazy. I, I That's look at all. Oh, I, but I look all around me and it, it's it's all the me too and oh. this and that and he, oh he looked at me 40 years ago and he touched me. You know, he, oh. oh, it's crazy. Gee, I think it's I, I think it's misplaced anger. It's you insane. Know, you're angry. You're angry with someone for touching a grown woman. You know, men and women flirt. That's what they do. They flirt. You're angry for, you know, but, but you know, it, 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 it's a line. You don't cross the line. If you do, then you go to jail. Then you, then well, you get in trouble. also, you know, the standards have changed. Well, yes. So older men who today would be considered, uh, you know, uh, being uh, sexually harassing somebody, at that time, the norms were different. So we have to. Thank you. So, so many men, I feel bad for them, really. What about yes. men's rights? Uh, right. We don't talk oh, about I'm so that. Glad you said that. Women are always oh, the victims, it? and it's not always yes. the case. And look, years ago, I mean, men complimented women daily. <laughs> just so we did. Yeah, you look good in this outfit, or you know, whatever. Yes. Today, you can't. Chris, Chris Matthews, I love MSNBC, but Chris Matthews told the woman in the chair, in the makeup artist, a uh, makeup chair. You know, I love your makeup, I love your hair or something. And he was fine, lost his show because he came, to, to her, it was it was inappropriate. That's insane. I, I mean, it's just, it's, and then, and then the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and we worry about silly shit like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we that's become, where, that's where we are. We become very dysfunctional uh, very with the like way, with, 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 uh, with our standards and, and who we are accusing and who's telling uh, the truth and why they're saying what they're saying. We don't know the half of it, but what we really have to look at is people like yourself. And, you know, even when you're talking about uh, what you've done to make a difference, what's brought me closer to you and what I feel more passionate about you is the things that you went through that weren't so good because we all have stuff. 
uh, and that brings people in even more. I'm always interested. What happens to people? There are people from all kinds of backgrounds that become leaders. How is it that they get to that point? And here you were put in prison for months without being guilty and how you went ahead and got yourself together and continued to be mm -hmm. who you were. And one message you're giving today is, even more than the music, be who you are and don't be afraid. Right. Don't be afraid because that's the best thing you can do for everybody else as well. And love each other. You have to, and you have to love yourself. You know, you really, if I have, uh, I have an old Hollywood movie guy. I love the old 1930s, 40s, 50s films. And uh, I'm a friend, I'm a fan of what, all those people, John Crawford and Humphrey Bogart and Betty Davis and Gary Grant and all those people, Dick Gable, I mean, just all of them. But, I, but it was Kristen Webb, who uh, I, think, I think in the movie Laura, with Gene Tierney, when he said, uh, she asked him, I think she called him selfish or something, and he said, I've never discovered anything more worthy of my attention. You see, we have, see? To, we have to deal with self first, not in an arrogant way. But just love yourself. So many people are self-loathing; they hate themselves, and it it, it, it reflects in their in their in their uh, daily lives. For instance, I found a woman's um, I was about a year ago. Actually, after New Year's Eve, I I was buying something on, on uh, right in the eighties, and I happened to drop my wallet on the streets in New York City, and everything was in it, everything. And after about you know two minutes, I realized that I dropped it, and just that quick, it was gone. Now, over the years, I have found several women's you know purse and, and uh, just all kind of personal items, you know keys or wallets or passports, or all kind of personal items I find. Whenever I find something, I immediately take it to either the post office or to the police department and leave it for them. And I've been doing it since I, even as far as, as I, before I was born, I was doing that. My point is this. When I dropped my wallet and lost my wallet in the middle of New York City, five minutes later, I went to the bank to cancel everything. And when I was in the bank, my phone rang, and the police department had my wallet. Somebody had turned it in. Hmm. And the point of the moral of the story is calm is real. You get back what you put out. I got my wallet back because for 50 years I've been finding people's things on the streets and I always turn it in. When I drop mine on the streets, it would return to me. Well, even your voice is soothing the way you speak. You know, you can get a feeling for some a, a person, a situation right away. You have to trust your initial feelings. So you were able to protect other people's possessions. Your possessions were protected as well. And yes. when we're talking about how you uh, persevered in your past, what is your future? What is it that you would like to do? Uh, any different goals or uh, any direction? Well, I want to promote the two books I have because I think that they're both magnificent books. I really do. Uh, again, I have one of the largest jazz archives in the world, but you know, being an older black man, no one seems to care. Well, That's I care, and I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> a lot of people care because you're bringing something uh, that's very rich that we don't have. And I can guarantee you, if other people would bring that in, uh, we need performers uh, to uh, remind 
what the messages were, and it wouldn't be a bad idea if you could maybe even I agree. get some I, of these younger Dr. performers Dr. to do that. I agree with you yeah. 110%. You're so you're so correct. You know, I, I'm I'm working on my documentary. I need help. Uh, so if you know a documentarian who wants to help someone with the jazz documentary, please pass okay, me on. Okay, I shall. <laughs> but but I uh, no my again my mission is to present old material to a new audience. I know I want to. I love nightclub performing, but anything in the world. But I want to perform songs in nightclubs where people can uh, men and women can hold each other. You can dance, you can hold hands. I, 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 it's so as a, again to go back to Ahmed Jamal when he said, you know, music. You know, he's 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 like 85 now, uh, but he said music years ago was to soothe the savage beast. Today's music creates savage beast, and that's where we are. We have to bring it back, bring it back to simplicity of honesty. And authenticity and love. And, See, people and, don't and talk this way. They don't talk this way because um, it puts them in a place of being vulnerable. Uh, they don't feel that the message today uh, should be uh, somebody who is um, looking uh, to uh, rescue, but it's more to uh, defend and to protect uh, and to... Uh, be uh, somebody who has, uh, you know, um, strong uh, opinions and powerful. That's the message today in the music. So I want people to hear the name of your book again so they can be aware of what, where they could get it as well. Well, it's on Amazon, but my first book is called Historical Jazz Conversations. And again, it's, 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 it's full, it's chock full of of some of the greatest names in the history of jazz. And not just, the reason why I'm so happy with this book, because it's not just the stars in front of the camera. First, like Charles Linton, who was responsible for discovering the great Miss Ella Fitzgerald. He told on my show, in fact, he was my first guest in 1994. And, you know, I do a local cable show. I just have me and my camera person. And we just sit to have a conversation. You know, it's not big time TV. I don't make a dime. But it's so important to present these great legends and let them tell their stories. It's important. People need to know. But anyway, so this man, Charles Linton, discovered Ella Fitzgerald. He brought her to Chick Webb, and, and Ella sang with Chick Webb in the 1930s. In fact, she took over his band. Um, and she sang with um, Charles Linton, who was the vocalist for Chick Webb, and uh, Louis Jordan, one of the greatest saxophone players. In fact, some say he was the founder of rock and roll. I really, I never that. even heard of that name. It's unusual. Oh, the, the founder Jordan, of rock and roll. <laughs> See how Louis out of Jordan, it I am. Louis, no, you, you, you did on it. But Louis well, Jordan is so important. You must Google him and find out who okay, he is. Okay, I will. I mean, just it's remarkable. But my book is is again not just stars in front of the camera, but behind the camera. Um, uh, that 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 made the the, the, the whole jazz thing work, like Norman Grant. Who discovered uh, uh, when Peterson talks about how Norman Grant discovered him and whatnot. So the book is so full of history, and I'm hoping to to do a documentary so people will know who these people were because they just don't know. They just don't know. And the new book is called Tainted. Uh, it came out. I, well, I had a massive stroke. That's a bit of Did I tell you that? Oh no, you didn't tell. There's so much. You know, as you're talking, <laughs> I'm thinking about other things. But you have so much to say. I don't want to interrupt you. But but now that you ask me a question, I'm going to throw this one thing in. What Please. you're talking about, your book, your other book, before you talk about this new book, 
would make a wonderful Broadway show with all this music and dancers and people that maybe wow. are more known today to represent them. This would be this would wow. really sell, of course. You have to oh, really wow. I never thought of that. <laughs> I love that. I love it too. Never thought of that. Never thought of that. You have to. Never. You have to and let me know what happens. You really have to connect to the right people that write these plays and Broadway and tell them, you know, give them a book and let them see. Because when you talk about such great music and such great culture and you have performers of today doing it, people are going to come because they're going to be entertained. They're going to be in informed. And it's educated. just a good, educated, and a good, mm -hmm. it's a good feeling kind of mm -hmm. uh, event. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And I, have the, I have the people, I know the people who are doing this old music, but they can't get anywhere because all the clubs are booking for uh, bullshit and foolishness. I mean, I have the people already, but I like that idea. Broadway. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Uh, Broadway. I didn't think of that. Younger people, I, younger I, I musicians, younger entertainers. I so the younger people already. can identify with them. Because mm -hmm. when you say the older generation, they don't identify with that age. Not at all. You take the older music to younger people and put mm -hmm. a dancing uh, thing yes. theme in there, and you got it. You got it. Great idea. I do love that, Doctor. I really do. I'm I so happy I could I do something yeah. for you. I love that. I love that. Yes. I really do. Amazing. Uh, the new informed. book is called Tainted. I sure will. No, the new Tainted. book is called Tainted, and uh, that's the story of my life. But I had a massive stroke. Uh, right before, actually, right before I finished the book, no, uh, when I finished the book, I had a stroke almost the next week. It's amazing. But I, uh, I, what happened was, you know, I, I live in a five-room apartment in, in, uh, in Manhattan, and um, it's a small apartment, uh, a walk-through apartment. You know, but I've been here for 50 years. That was one of the problems, one of the reasons why I ended up in prison because they went to my home. But get to, get, you have to read the book to find out all that information. Oh, boy. But, <laughs> but uh, I had a stroke two years ago. Because, uh, well, I had a stroke, and as opposed to falling to the left, uh, I couldn't have gotten out because I couldn't walk. And so it was, I would have been the cubby hole, so I would have just stayed there and died because I, I couldn't move. Uh, but God had me fall to the right. And uh, the whole house, was up, I mean, it was spinning around and around and around, and it wouldn't stop. And I knew something was wrong. I knew I was dying. So I made myself slide to the door. And I unlatched the bottom. I reached up and unlatched the bottom lock because I couldn't stand up. I uh, unlatched the Thank God the top lock was unlocked. <laughs> Normally, yeah. I would like the top lock. That Interesting. What a coincidence. I did not like the yes, I did not because I, I, I couldn't have reached it. It's amazing. But anyway, so I, I made myself crawl out of the house uh, into the hallway naked where I passed out. And it was 7 o'clock in the morning. I live in a very expensive building, so um, all the it was 7 o'clock in the morning, so all the yuppies had gone to work. And I was just lying on the, on the floor naked, and I couldn't move. And I heard uh, there's two doors downstairs to, to get in, the front door and another door to get in. So uh, I'm on the floor, and I, I couldn't move, and I heard footsteps. I heard the door close downstairs in the vestibule. And I heard footsteps walking up to where I was. I'm on the second floor. And they walked up the stairs. I heard the footsteps. And they walked up to the second floor, and that person saw me and screamed. Oh, no. And called 911. And that's why I'm talking to you today. The doctors found a hole in my heart. Really? A clot in the brain. I had two clots. Oh. I had a hole in the heart. 
uh, I, I mean, I could talk, walk, or see. I was, I, I woke a bed. I mean, really, I did. But you know, I tell, I say that the doctors put Humpty Dumpty back together again because I couldn't walk. I, it took a whole year to come back, an entire year to come back. But I came back, and I'm grateful. But I say that to say the person who found me, because there's nobody in the building, uh, knew about my stroke. Because after, after I spent a month, five weeks in the nursing home, hospital, all that, I mean, uh, rehab and hospital, uh, Atlantic Hill Hospital. Um, but nobody, nobody found me because I, when I got out of the uh, rehab center, I put a notice up saying, please let me know who you are so I could properly thank you. And no one came forward because no one had seen me. Even really? No. And I'm convinced the person who found me was my mother, and she died 10 years ago. So your mother was dead before this happened? My mother died 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And how long ago did this happen? This happened uh, 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 less, than, uh, uh, less than two years ago. Really? Two years ago, yeah. I, I had the stroke on September, September 29th, 2019. And my mother died in, 20, uh, in, in 2011. She was 89, my best friend. So that voice that you heard... Uh, was was, I, believe was, I believe it was, was my mother, yes. I believe she screamed and called 911. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know the powers around us. And, uh, yes, that's right. And that's uh, what uh, really stands out about you. You're aware of these things. You have this kind of uh, sensitivity uh, to information around you, and that's probably why you like music as well. Uh, to see things that other people walk around just not seeing and missing out on. Uh, so this is, yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. And hmm. so this is what you pick up on. Uh, and wow. and uh, you have that uh, ability. It's an extra dimension that you carry around with you. Uh, oh, now you sound like Ross Sterling. Uh, what can I tell you? <laughs> should, I put, should I put the music on? <laughs> okay. And what did he used to say? You know, we're entering a different whatever dimension. Dimension. Yes. That was intriguing. That pulled you in too. Oh, I love. I love. I love that show. It's one of the best shows ever. Ever. Just. Oh, but then you know, I I love all that old stuff. I'm I'm just I'm sentimental. I'm sentimental. It's more than sentimental. Yeah. You, you 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 see the longer I keep you on. The more interesting you become, usually with people, you know, okay, it's a half an hour, it's over. But you have, <laughs> but you have that other information there uh, the, about your experiences uh, yeah. and how you uh, perceive them uh, is, is something that's even more effective than the music itself because you're behind that music. It's life. Yes, it's life. It's life. It's life. And the more we deal with, you know, the more we have to go through. You know, I've been through hell and back three times. First with the alcoholism and being in a straitjacket and that house and it with alcohol poisoning. Then for being wow. in Rikers Island, you know. And, Horrible. And That's Island fierce. Was, that, was the, that was probably the worst experience ever. Because I you, can. When they, put you in the, when they put you in a cage, when they put you in a cage, and, that, and that's what it is. It's a cage. They put you in a cage and they leave you there, and you're at the mercy of the prisoners. And they and they will they 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 want to mark up my face, you know. They would pass by my bed and take their thumb from their chin and go up to the ear, like they were gonna cut my cut my face. Uh, I mean, it was just it was so horrible. Vile. 
It was and, so vile. I had. To, I, I mean, I can't even begin. I talk about it in the book. You know, that that was able. The to, guards look away guard. from this. The guards didn't help oh, of you. Of course, no. They they worse than the prisoners. So worse. this is so where you went is one of the worst prisons too. On the planet. On the planet. The and, t- I, and, and I was in my 50s. had never been in trouble in my life. Horrible. That's why I asked and about it. And put me in prison it. for a lie? Because when we talk oh. about the way we divide ourselves and each other, and when you said you went to prison, I was very curious. Because, you know, federal prison is very different. It's white-collar yes. crimes. Right. And it's safe most, most right. of the time. For the most part. Yeah, right. For the mm-hmm. most part. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you leave. Uh, right. This is something that is not safe. And even when you were talking about laying on the floor without any clothes on, a black man, and you said a woman came, my response, I don't know if you remember, I went, uh-oh, something like negative. I heard it, yes. Because yes, I, I thought, I, heard it. <laughs> I thought she was going to call the cops on you. And call, uh-huh. I love it. You said there's oh, some drunk bum yeah, laying right. on the on the mm-hmm. floor. Right. Because, exactly. I heard, I heard it in your voice. Yeah. So, I heard it in your voice. I believe it was my mother. So your mother doesn't my mother think of you as a life. drunk bum. That's a good yeah, thing. She saved my life. She, she saved, saved my life. And she was my life. best friend. In fact, I talk a lot about her in my book, as is my father. My very best friend. So grateful to have had the, the upbringing I've had. And really, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing. But no, with the... With the um, with the uh, you know the alcoholism and the, and the Rikers Island and then the massive stroke and and uh, I'm here and I'm, I'm as as a, I think Elaine Stritch used to sing at the at the um, uh, Carlisle Hotel she was she had a famous song called I'm still standing. That's a good one for you. <laughs> I'm still standing. And for your documentary, <laughs> that would be a great one for you. Really. Yeah. Well, you know my new book. My new book. You know, I, I started a one man show about my new book. Uh, oh. About my life. Yes, I've, I've already, I, started, that's where I started here in my home uh, at Paula Jazz. And I, I can't do Paula Jazz now because of the virus and all that madness. But soon I'll be able to get back. And people are, people are so, I gave people a, a, a place to come and dress. The women would wear dresses and gloves and pearls and hats. You don't see you that know, anymore. The men, the men wore jackets and ties. It was, it was that kind of place. That's what I gave the public. I gave, and they were starved for it. And they wanted to continue, but right, like I say, right now we can't do it. So, so I sit here and I watch. Thank God for YouTube. I've been watching a lot of. I just watched a wonderful debate with Norm Chomsky and uh, William Buckley. But I mean, I, I, but YouTube is so full. It's just chock full of gr- of good stuff. People don't know that. I know, and if, if you know, they they, don't they, know they that. use it for a lot of silliness. But there's so much great stuff on there. Wow! They watch Netflix and, and movies. Oh, they yeah, don't know right. YouTube yeah, has so much information. Anything you want to know? I know everything. And then I know. too, because I'm an old I'm an old movie buff. You know, I was just watching John Crawford and Sudden Fear with, with uh, Jack Collins. Great film. Yes. I think it was 1940s. Just just wonder, wonderful stuff. But yeah, that's that's how I spend my time. I'm very peaceful because of the virus. I'm, I'm home. I'm hibernating. Um, you know, I I love this time of of self reflection. I think more people should do that. Well, more people uh, could do that, but they don't like who they are. They don't want to face it. They don't there like their go. decisions. It's there too you painful. Uh, there you go. You're very resilient, and you came out on top in spite of that. Uh, most people can't. 
Uh, and they just well, see, you know, my purpose is to, is to help other people who've been, especially first, see, I'm a, for the first time being in prison, jail rather, and it's all the same. Uh, but it was my first time, and my, one part of my mission is to help those who have, particularly older people, well, young anybody who who's been in prison who can't handle it, and most people don't, you know, they don't come out the way I did. You know, I, I came out ten feet tall, but I insisted. That's why I asked you. Do you remember there was a movie called with Steve McQueen? I forgot the name of the movie, but he went to prison, and uh, I think it was Rutgers Island, and there was a man there in the in you know in the cell. And the man looked like hell. And the man asked Steve McQueen, how do I look? And he said, great, just great. And he, of course, didn't. And then the same thing happened to Steve McQueen. He asked somebody how he looked. And he ended up dying in prison, I believe. But I am mm-hmm. saying uh, that uh, to be able to have that kind of experience um, and to be able to uh, be on top of things, not just survive, Mm-hmm. Uh, is is a, a determination uh, that mm-hmm. w- we are often uncomfortable um, pushing ourselves, and really that's what we need to do. You're you're somebody who's saying, be uncomfortable because when you be when you're uncomfortable, that's when you push yourself harder, and you that's go right. further. Uh, that's and, right. Yes, and so uh, I would love to see that play. With with and all you these, will. and I'm and you have to tell me when that's going to be, uh, for sure. Uh, this one man show sounds really fascinating. Well, I'm work I'm working on that now. But let me go back to what you just said because it's yes. just so true. I think it was Abe Lincoln who said, "Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power." Ah, and that is so profound and so true because see, I've been through a lot. But you have to be able to see. A lot of times, people go through things and they become bitter and mean and hateful. And but if if you if you if you know how to if you if you pray about it and, and you uh, what's the word if you um, accept that we're all humans and we all make mistakes and we all do what we do, but we learn from them. You must learn from well, whatever you do. People uh, like to uh, blame. Be victims, and no yes. one helps you, and then they stay there. Right. So right. Uh, the best person is to help others rather than to be helped, because that's, right. that's when you can really make, you know, strides yeah. uh, for right. yourself. And mm-hmm. with you, you have such enthusiasm. It doesn't really matter what age you are. It's mm-hmm. you know the compassion, the energy, uh, your passion for life. Uh, that's really what identifies who you are. So for you to continue to do all the things are very important because we're waiting for this. We need you. I know that. And, and, and you know, oh, I, could, I could eat you with a spoon. That <laughs> sounds wonderful. Oh, really, it's just wonderful. But it's, but let me ask you, wait, before we hang up, how, yeah. uh, how, was it, how was it having twins at 60? You know, I'm just curious about it's that. It's interesting. First of all, I never thought I was old. Until everyone told right. me I wasn't. Uh, the funny part is something. Well, I think it was. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think it was Mark Twain who, Mark Twain, who said, "Age is the, uh, age is a matter of the mind. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter." Doesn't matter because look, I'm right. still, <laughs> I'm lucky. I am who I am, because I also have this lust for life. Yeah. I'm also very excited, and 60 does not mean what people think 60 is. 
60 is one of the best it's times. It's well, it's, it's, best, it's actually. <laughs> yeah, it's more than yeah. it's more than a number. Uh-huh. It's a time that you have yeah. your own mind, and that's you make right. your Wisdom. own decisions. And there's no one that's there right. that's ahead that's of you right. to guide right. you, which is really uh, open to all kinds of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, of course. Uh, we're living younger, longer, so we have mm-hmm. that as well. So it's not about the twins more. It's more about uh, who you are. It doesn't have to change at any time in your life. You can be 30 and you can not be motivated. Uh, so it's really about who the essence, and you're proving that today, uh, that you. you're bringing this kind of energy, enthusiasm for the future. And you talk about your past but really, you have a lot to offer for the future, and we need yes. to, we need to see this, and we're waiting uh, for the well, you know, two I shows. Well, you know, I think that I always say that you know this is we're now in Act Three, and Act Three is going to be a hell of an act. Hell of an act because life is a dress rehearsal, and That's you right. can you can absolutely keep re-identifying yourself in a way where you have uh, less obligations and you have more freedom to choose mm-hmm. what really represents you than what that's you're right. supposed to do so instead of supposed to you're doing what you want to do and that's the best place to be and and, and that makes you happy and I think it was Martin Dietrich one of the great stars of the 30s who said um, they asked her about later in life how, how was it to you know how did you survive being a star and whatnot she said something to the fact that you have to keep reinventing yourself and we have to just keep reinventing ourselves and just keep just keep going. I am making one the right, foot in front of the other. I am making. I'm sorry to interrupt because see, I have so much to say with you, but I'm making a, a show. Uh, I just sent. Uh, we're sending out a sizzle reel um, about uh, exactly that, about fulfilling yourself, uh, no matter when, and uh, being able to uh, make a difference to yourself when you want to do something how you can go ahead, people stay stuck, and the name of the show is Unstuck, and that's mm-hmm. what really keeps Love me it. going, and I want to say, you know, the media is very fickle, the media is, media is very youth-oriented, and yes. I went into the media fickle. later in life, and uh, I didn't let that bother me, uh, and because of that, uh, it helps other people to look and see uh, that they can do what they want to Without having to have limits of what's in what they're told they're supposed to be, uh, so you know right. it's just a matter of stepping right. back and not listening yes. to anybody. That's right. Yeah, and, and putting on blinders. And as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're doing things that are positive and doing things that are good for for for, for humanity, um, I think that that that's that's really what it's about. This show has been wonderful. It's about not hurting anyone but doing yes. what's right for you because right. then you can make the bigger difference. It's not about being selfish. It's about making the difference to yourself, and then you can make a difference to other people. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. It just flew by. Thank you so much. And, it's my, it's uh, my pleasure. Yes, and, and waiting to hear of all your accomplishments. I'm so looking forward to it, and I, I, so, I, I want to thank you because it, you're taking the time to, to give me, and I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by it. So thank you so much. Well, you know, you're somebody who has something that is uh, very, very valuable and very important. 
and we really Please need keep in touch. Yes, we really Please. need to hear that from you go, moving forward. I appreciate it. Be well. I appreciate it. Take God care. Bye-bye. Bye. So just to let you know that after every show, you can send in questions to Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, Frida, F-R-I-E-D-A, at gmail.com. Thank you. I hope to hear from you. Oh,